Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant good afternoon to you. Hi there, this is Patrick Timpone. It's September 22nd, 2021, and you've got OneRadioNetwork.com. I believe our 800 line is working. It is. If you'd like to join the show and talk to Dr. Tom Cowan, Andrew Kaufman, you can try it. 888-663-6386. Email Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com is email address. We already have kind of a nice pile of emails, and we're going to get to as many as we can here, as long as we can keep them. Let me just give you a quick update on who we have. Dr. Andrew Kaufman, if you, in case you don't know, uh, he is an MD. He's a public speaker, researcher. He's been a kind of whistleblower in this whole COVID-19 thing. And he has a B Bachelor of Science from MIT, Molecular Biology, and researching in soul, mind, body connection. And he has been doing a lot of shows over the last year or so with Dr. Tom Cowan, who we had on the show five years ago before he was cool. And he was talking about, I don't know if you remember that show, Dr. Cowan, but you you came on and you were talking about the parasympathetic nervous system. And it was a long time ago. Dr. Cowan, hi there. How are you, sir? And, hi there. Yep, alternative medicine guy. And he's written a bunch of books, The Contagion Myth. He co-authored that with Sally Fallon, Cancer and the New Biology of Water, Human Heart, Cos- Cosmic Heart. And uh, he's a founding board member of the Weston A. Price and both of you gentlemen have been out there for, I don't know how long has it been, a year or so, talking about this thing isolating the virus. And I don't know if you saw this, but I thought it would be a nice way to kind of kick it off. There is a fellow up in Canada. Do you know about Patrick King, what he did? Do you know? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Patrick King was up in Alberta, and he said, you know, um, you got to show me this virus because it, uh, you know, I want to see verified material evidence that this thing exists. And he ran the he ran the traps there in court, and he got the health minister of Alberta says there is no verifiable material evidence, and the whole mask thing, and they took away the fines, and that was pretty interesting, wasn't it, Doctor Kaufman? What, what what how that was pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to attribute too much significance to it, but, you know, Patrick King was a very uh, clever and uh, uh, brave individual. He basically had, you know, fines for violating some illegal COVID restriction up in Alberta province in Canada. And at his trial where he was representing himself, he he tried to subpoena the, you know, the, the provincial health minister, right, the person in charge, like, Basically, it'd be like the, you know, the health department uh, executive for your state in the United States. And uh, they were taken by surprise. Hmm. And, uh, you know, the court, the court handled it like afterwards, after she responded, her her representative responded and said that they didn't have the material evidence. You know, then the judge said that the, the process of subpoena was, you know, was flawed or whatever. And they just dismissed the case, though. <laughs> But but you're right. It was like, you know, they didn't admit to a connection, but the rules in the province changed like right yeah. after a key moment in that trial proceeding and where they lifted the requirements for um, uh, quarantines and for uh, contact tracing. 
uh, as well as, uh, you know, they still, I think, allowed localities to require certain things like masks, but they took the most uh, strict, uh, you know, lockdown policies uh, that just dissolved them. Yes, sir. You're going to have a conference and we're going to talk about it. We're going to go through and you can tell, give a little uh, plug for all the people. A pretty great lineup you got here. David Icke, Kelly Brogan, Sally Fallon. Um, you got some folks doing things on water. Eileen McCusick, she's cool. Uh, she's got some tuning fork stuff that's pretty really interesting. Water, kind of quite a few things on water. We got the Beagleson boys. We used to have Harvey Beagleson on years ago. Harvey was a great guy, and now they're doing this blood work, right? And and they're going to be on this conference. And the conference is going to be over the weekend, uh, uh, weekend of October nine and ten, right? It's all virtual. Folks can sign up for that. And then the following weekend, they can do workshops for each individuals. And you. Or uh, Dr. Cowan, you gonna do, you guys are going to do each individual workshops as well as the other people. Well, you know, um, there's a couple more things to say, like his MC role also. But uh, you know, we have a number of the speakers that are doing these virtual workshops the following weekend, and uh, I don't know if I can announce this yet, but uh, there's going to be a surprise uh, workshop for me uh, that's going to be announced the week before for all of our uh, last-minute registrants. How cool. So uh, keep a lookout because it's coming. We're only a couple of weeks away. How great. And you go right on the front page of One Radio Network. we got a nice big banner. Click on that puppy and just sign up for whatever you want. And I guess it's a little bit less expensive the earlier you get. Is that how that works? Well, we decided actually to just keep the early bird price uh, throughout oh, cool. uh, to encourage people to participate because, you know, what we're, we're really trying to do is um, open a new platform for educating about, you know, the, the what's the truth of how biological systems work. You know, we want to move beyond the materialist paradigm, uh, you know, beyond allopathic medicine and talk about, you know, what are the important scientific areas uh, where there's room for great discoveries and the things that are most important to health, right? Which is why one of our big uh, focus is on water and and the related science of uh, the new science of structured water or the fourth phase of water and how that affects uh, biology. And it's, it's really, you know, I mean, Tom has really opened me up to this area, especially in been looking at this for a while but it it really is the key and maybe you can elaborate uh tom so is this fourth phase dr Cowan? Yeah. is similar substance that's in our little veins that are making our blood go is it similar no no it's not okay it's <laughs> it's it's the answer to the question you know we we all learned and or six that all substance there are no there's no other phases of matter or any substance and you know I started thinking about this um, years ago as when I was working as an ER and we were told the only thing I in medical school about water was that our cells are made of 70% water. In other words, cellular, I think they meant by volume, but they didn't really say, but let's say by volume. So 
obviously the question which ever came up it wasn't ice right right and it's not steam so it had to be water because it's a multiple choice question so here i am an er doctor and people are stabbed and bayoneted and you know all kinds of things and you know how many times i saw water squirting out of people's uh, legs uh, exactly zero and, and nor a puddle of water on the floor next to their bed and i remember thinking i wonder where the water what happened to the water you know because obviously blood is liquid uh but it turns out there is no water really in cells or tissues interestingly though when that when you have a cancer cell it becomes more liquid water in the in the cancer cell compared to a normal cell so then later on i learned it's like jello there's a fourth phase and it's not ice and it's not water and it's very specific you know physical properties melting point and etc uh and has specific bond angles and you start to realize that everything in biology actually that is the the um the, the defining influence in biology. So as an example, it turns out, if you think about it, um, we've all heard of that DNA is a double helix, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you think about it, no substance has any form. Now think about that for a minute, like sand. Sand doesn't have a form, it's just formless unless two things one of two things or both happen one you mix it with water and two there's some uh, will imposed on the substance right okay so you mix it with water and then you impose your will and you make a sandcastle substance is always just formless like that's the void now if you and so when you look at dna it only will form a double helix when the water that's embedded in creates the double helix and the DNA fills in the physical substance. In other words, it's the water that's the double helix, not the DNA. The DNA is like just the sand. It creates the, uh, is the structure or the physical component of the form has that form but the sand has but the sand has some kind of stuff going before you before you put water to it right i mean you can look at a microscope and say there's sand there's yes there's sand it, it is a but, it, but the more you get into breaking it down it will become more and more formless okay your glasses are made of my substance. you say well it has a form only because somebody imposed their will on that form. Essentially, what it means is that, that the, it should be the study of how water creates or interacts with or both substance. And I would contend that it's the water that actually it accepts influences from the outside, sunlight, sound, 
waveforms and turns that into proteins, which is the, the, the living beings. Works. Now that's a very different ver view of reality, what we're taught. But in, in one form or most of the people are a lot of on this conference will be actually explaining that process in detail. Like they'll show you images of living things, forms, yes. and it came because of the interaction of sound and water called cymatics. And that creates the form, which is a horse shell, horseshoe crab. And that's how, and the substance just then fills in the, you know, it, it, it's like a filler. Like so a it's, space. it's like what, Doc? Yes. It's like it creates a negative space, like, yes. like a mold. Yeah, it's like a mold. So like your house. The house is created not by the wood, mm -hmm. right, or the bricks. It's created in the mind of the architect or the builder. Yes, sir. Right? Right. That's how, that's how reality happens. Yes. The, the, your, your, your house is created in the mind of, in, and then you need substance to fill in that negative, that space. That's how, that's how reality happens. Yes. Once you see that, then everything about, well, if you have wrong substance or if you're making the wrong proteins, it's because some part of that creative process has gone amiss. Either you're putting in the wrong wavelengths or your water has been polluted through toxins and mm -hmm. you know all kinds of stuff there's a there's million ways you can interfere with that process mm -hmm. and that's what we call disease yes you can even see that you know if you're if your knee is swollen right then you have quote arthritis but what really happened is you used to have a coherent structured gel in your knee and it melted Right now, you have edema, and that's basically free water that's not integrated into the form that should be your knee, and that's how we know it's a disease, and it hurts. Same thing with your eye. Your lens of your eye is a crystalline structure, and you you shine, you know, you you poison it, and then it hardens into an abnormally shaped crystal and then we say you have cataracts so could this all tie into the idea that it could be argued that the only virus that really existed out here in the last two years is in the mind and it was in, well, in the computer well but I mean, if somebody believes that there's a virus, right, we know that it's in the body at that moment because the mind-body is one on the physical level. So if somebody believes there's a virus, there's a virus in their body, and depending on what they think the virus could do, would, would demonstrate what they experience, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, Patrick, no, there are many... What's that? Go ahead. Uh, going to say there are many who, you know, sort of describe the result of all of the brainwashing and hypnosis and, 
you know, propaganda as a sort of mind virus. And in fact, this has been talked about in many, you know, ancient cultures, sure, right? Then there are different names for it in uh, different uh, uh, Native American tribes, for example, like uh, Wetiko is one of the names. So this is, you know, kind of, uh, I think it, it it's a, an interesting uh, interpretation or application of it. And, you know, it definitely fits, uh, you know, just like they say, you know, when something goes viral, uh, sure. right, that that's a, it's a positive thing, be it, but it spreads like wildfire, right? And it's like this fear has spread uh, in this manner. So you could describe it that way that for way. sure. Well, Dr. Cowan, how would... Well, here's another Go ahead. factor in this, if I may add. Sure. Uh, if you could, in following up with what Andy said, mm-hmm. uh, there was a very specific way that Native American indigenous people, healers, either inculcated this mind virus in people or sometimes got it out of them. And you know what they did? The witch doctors, they danced around and made them, yeah. But they did something very specific. They wore masks. They wore masks. Why is that? Why did they do that? Because they knew, they knew, they, you know, and maybe still know, that if you wear a mask, you change the consciousness of the person you're interacting with. How could you change their consciousness? They have to do that, don't they? Free will? Well, you can scare the shit out of them, for instance. <laughs> or, or you can, you can hypnotize them. Right. Or, hmm. or you, can, you can play sort of music, certain rhythms, and you know, wear a mask, and they, they will change their consciousness. Yeah. They also you, change you their own use- consciousness. Didn't the witch doctors believe that the people had all of these negative thoughts, which they call samskara or whatever the terms are? There's a lot of different spiritual terms for them. And they would do these witch doctor things and just, like you say, scare the crap out of them. And they would just let them go. Or they would do these ceremonies and they they would be healed from stuff. Isn't that what was going on? Yeah. 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 Pretty cool. So. I think Andy was going to say something. Yeah, go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Well, um, you know, it's just really uh, with respect to the the psychology of masks, because, you know, you don't have to uh, even use a shamanic interpretation. It's just simple psychology, because when you cover the the nose and mouth, you can't then visualize the speech and the facial expressions. And also the identity is partially hidden, unless it's someone you are very familiar with. Like I even have not recognized like neighbors at the grocery store because of the masks, right? Yeah, so right. that limited, uh, you know, communication, that affects the consciousness of the person who's interacting with that with them. So, you know, it's, it's a direct uh, psychological effect as well as a sort of spiritual and energetic effect. Right. Dr. Cowan, so right. the, the, the water thing was a little geeky. I'm fascinated by it. I didn't quite get it all, so sorry. But how, are, how is this going to be used moving forward with this new biology you all are going to be talking about in this conference and all that? How are we going to, is it just a matter of fact of getting like the best water ever, drink it and you're done? I mean, wh- where are we going to go with this water thing, do you think? I mean, it's it, 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 it. Different people have different strategies. So mm-hmm. I, I just did a thing with I, Eileen. I think her name is McCusick. McCusick, right? I didn't know her. Yeah. So, 
again, the system is very simple. There's wavelengths of right. different sorts, you know, thoughts, feelings, radio waves, um, sound waves, light waves, etc. That's the information system. Mm-hmm. It comes into us essentially, not to use computer words, but downloaded into our water. And that's the medium that interacts with the physical to have an effect. So you can have a pert, wow. and the effect is to make stuff, like protein. <laughs> that's how it works. So if you're sick, you're making the wrong stuff. Now, it can be simple as you have poison dissolved in your water that's it's changing you know, the shape of the water crystal. So then you, you eat some shilajit, and it, it binds with the toxins, and you get rid of it, and then you recreate a more perfect water. That's one way. Or Eileen says, okay, the, you're out of tune, essentially. So I'm going to put a tuning fork in you, and you'll resonate with a more harmonious tune, and then you'll make better proteins, and you'll be less sick. It's very simple and intuitive. Everybody under, can understand exactly what I'm talking about. So so that's why the, the whole idea of Batman, Gelich, and hydration is so important, because without the water, nothing's happening. Yeah, but not just no. like drinking eight glasses of crappy water. Of course, course, right. No, I understand. That's not hydration. It's it's the form of the water. We are living crystals. And interestingly, in my, one of my thoughts on what the COVID play is, Hmm. they're trying to make us into quartz crystals uh, because, which means that's the basis of computers. Oh, now, what's the difference between a quartz crystal and a water crystal? Both of them can download infinite information because they, they're fractally made. Mm-hmm. They have many different, you know, infinite number of surfaces, and the surfaces all collect information. There's only really one, maybe more, difference. Quartz only can add more bits of information. It can't change meaning it can't grow and it can't evolve. Whereas water, every time there's a new information, it subtly changes its form, and you bec- you're you going to becoming a more perfect crystal. And so if you want to be a quartz crystal, you'll just add more and more information, and you'll never evolve as a human being because that's not life. Whereas if you're a water crystal... You have the choice of, of evolving towards a more perfect or getting, like some people are degrading as a crystal and turning into, you know, a mushy crystal that doesn't, that's like an out-of-tune radio. So it can't accept the wavelengths of the world and turn them into beautiful music. Oh, I like that. That's where we're at. That's where we're at. So this... So the COVID thing, just through the masking and the and the the control, and then maybe the the injections, as you say, this is, you believe this is their their that they just want to turn us into more, you know, not so bright. That's why they put that stuff in the in the injections. Yeah, they put carbon and all kinds of nanoparticulate ah. matter into the injections to make you more crystalline. You know, like hardened. like a computer, like hardened, right? Yeah. Like hardened, yeah. Rather like than 
fluid, like like more godlike, like, like anything can happen. Yeah. And show me the show me the yeah. way, baby. Yeah, I can evolve yeah. and grow. What's that, Doc? Let me just uh, you know the the crystal, the water crystal structure that we're talking about, right? It's different from ice. It's this different phase, right? Easy water or structured water. Uh, different names for it, but it's it's more of a gel-like crystal, so it can it's dynamic, right? So it can adapt to new information, even when it's poisonous information, right? And that can actually break it completely from its crystal structure, like Tom. Whereas the silicon crystal, right, like in quartz, is very very rigid. It's got a, a fixed uh, geometric architecture that is you know very energetically favorable, and it it's different. Uh, uh, properties as a result of that. Um, I also uh, wanted to point out the question that you had about, you know, the amount of water. Um, that is a, a key aspect because obviously if you just don't have enough quantity, mm -hmm. right, then your body can't make it into this gel-like perfect crystal substance. And what happens is that your body actually denatures it into regular liquid water when there are toxins dissolved and those some of them come just from our normal metabolic processes right when we you know metabolize food for example even if it's clean food um, when we're under stress a lot of different situations we create some toxins uh, internally as byproducts of that chemistry right and that can poison the water itself so the it gets dissolved in that water in in the liquid phase and then that's what comes out of our bodies right it comes out in our stool and in our urine in our sweat in our saliva in our uh, you know tears in our phlegm uh, all of these things and and when it comes out that's like our detoxification method we need to make sure to replenish it with more of the the you know water that can either you know i mean ideally we'd want it to be as close as possible to the form that it needs to be in to function in our bodies ideally mm -hmm. right and and uh there are some ways to do that that are going to be talked about at the conference oh you're going to do that you're going to do that at the conference too so um patrick let me just uh just to on this let me read you something from a very interesting guy okay. i don't know if either of you know him his name is marcel vogel Vogel, no, I don't hear him. He was, for, he was for 40 years or so head of crystallography research for IBM. <laughs> and somebody might check me on this, but I believe he was credited with inventing the plasma TV or the whole uh, way of making uh, plasma devices. So he, he was he, he's probably the world's expert on crystals. Um, and here's what he had to say, quote, what we found in our laboratory is that the entry of mind projected through a crystal will structure water just like it was frozen into ice. The remarkable and unique differentiation is that water, when it is structured with mind and with thought, remains fluid but structured. That type of category is called a liquid crystal, a mesophase, a mesomorphic transition. That's well, well, let me, no, hold on a second. Let me get you both on there. If I get the right, oh, here it is. So, wow. So, I mean, what, what is it? So this is the Murimoto idea that you can actually talk to your water and pray and do whatever you want to, to juice it up magically, right? The only thing I would say about that is the water knows, um, knows the truth. <laughs> so if you're doing it to gain the system, 
it probably won't work. <laughs> what do you mean game the system? You mean like if you got really bad you, water you and you're going to sing can't it? fake it, Patrick. You can't fake it, yeah. Huh. No, no. And, you know, it's like <laughs> it's really the same thing Tom was saying before because when you put that intention and you communicate, sure. you know, yeah. from your thinking into the water, that that's information. Right. right when when you run it through a crystal vortex you're also putting information because water is this medium that can transduce and receive information from a, a variety of different sources mm-hmm. so and yeah, the go point ahead. though is that it it knows what i would say the truth <laughs> so for instance if you don't actually believe that the water will receive the information and you do it you know, it, it's like prove to me water. Uh, it's it's very similar to like the, you know, the Europeans came and the native people said the trees can talk to them. All right. They go up to a tree and say, "Tell me what's here," and they didn't hear anything. And they say, "No, you're wrong. The trees can't talk." And I remember even when I was little, I heard that and think, "What do they think? The trees can speak English?" <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. That's right. I mean. They don't speak English. They don't even have a voice box. <laughs> but they speak in different ways. And they know, first of all, if I was a tree and you cut down 90% of the trees in the my brothers and sisters, I wouldn't talk to you either. <laughs> you know, So you can't game the system with your water. So it would be the same way with, with trusting God. You know, you either do or you don't. Right, you just can't game this system, right? Can't go to church and say yeah. I trust God and not trust yeah, you, it the rest of the week. It just you doesn't don't work. Ask, you don't want to ask for salvation uh, when you didn't believe the whole time. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's then you're talking more about a soul thing deep down as who we are, spiritual beings, right? That's the truth, and not you know the, our, our belief in this or that. You know. But here's the thing. You know, these sound like, well, what does this have to do with medicine? It has everything to do with medicine, because what we invited to this conference is, you know, I remember hearing Dolph Santiga, and he talked about how you can uh, you can demonstrate the coherence of water, and you can demonstrate that when you say water a plant with coherent water, it will have more nutrients and more proteins and more whatever, anything you want to measure. It'll produce healthier animals and it will even lower your biological age. You know, if you do it for three months, that goes down. If you hmm. leave, that's a valid measurement. And, and, and you can also destructure the water with various negative influences. And then you can, Use that, you can measure the light that's emitted from a plant that's watered with this, you know, water versus. So, unlike what we've been taught, there actually are people out there who have, who this is common knowledge to them, and they're trying to put this into action. So, if you don't feel good, you know, this guy gives you turpentine to help get rid of the poisons. That one puts a tuning fork on you so you get more in harmony. This one helps you structure the water that you're coming into. That guy has a sound device, you know, and next thing you know, we have a better world. We have a better world. So this is at Santiago. He's going to be, how do you say, you're gonna, he's going to be one of the presenters, right? One of the presenters, right? Yeah. Uh, Dolph Zant- Zantiga? Zantiga, yeah. Zantiga. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Patrick, uh, I talk about detoxification a lot, right? And mm-hmm. and what I've, you know, observed since I've been open to natural healing is that, you know, it's really probably 90% of what people do when they cure themselves of serious diseases, right? And what is detoxification? Really, it is purifying the water in the body. So that's why this is the central thing. And the more we understand about how this works, how it forms, how it, uh, you know, gets destabilized, then we'll be able to have more efficient ways of purifying the water and making sure that it stays pure. So, you know, that's how it would directly apply uh, to health. So explain it more, Dr. Kaufman, when you say detoxification is purifying the water, so, I mean, people do coffee enemas or saunas or skin scrubbing and these kind of things, whatever they do and exercising and yoga. So that's actually working on the water in the body? Yeah, absolutely. So everything is related to it. You know, the, the coffee enema is basically allowing your liver to process more toxins because mm-hmm. it gets the plumbing gets clogged up. So that's a little bit more like a mechanical uh, you know, roto-rooter procedure. But doing a regular enema, for example, which is a general detox procedure, I mean, what are you doing? You're putting in water, right? And it's going to dissolve the solvents that are in your colon and that come into the colon. And then it's going to remove them from your body so that the remaining water in your body now is not going to be contaminated and poisoned by those toxins. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Right, and that's... Oh, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say that that's really what all detoxification is doing. It's just, you know, maybe going for a different part of your body or doing it a slightly different way. But it's all about that that process of, of pulling the toxins out of the water. Is sweating generally always getting the yuck stuff out of our skin, like in saunas and, and things like that, Dr. Cowan? I mean, is that that's just normal? So, just if you just think of it like rationally so we have this gel it's like jello right right you got a poison grape in there right and the jello i'm gonna get it out you can't have a scooper because we don't have scoopers (laughs) uh so you melt it right that's fever or sodas you're melting it and that liquefies it and that allows it to run and then you have mucus or poop or urine and then it's gone and then you reconstitute a more perfect gel. Oh, I finally got the heat thing. I just finally got the the, the heat thing. That's why it took this me a minute. Been, yeah. Every every medical system until our current one, give me a medicine to produce a fever and I can cure any disease. They right. were just melting gels, give you enema to get it out or sweat it out, put you in a sweat lodge. It's the same everywhere. It's, it's, yeah. it's the same everywhere. They all did it, you know. They, so, they went to here. It's you actually, know, the water in our body is made, it's essentially primary water. It's made new. And so did the earth does that. So you go drink primary water. That's Lords and the Ganges right, and all that. You know, all these springs. And that's where people drank water and sat in the bath and it purified their water. And there are people who know how to do that. You know, there's a lot of water gurus that say that there's... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) A lot of the water gurus say there's a ton of primary water deep down. 
if we would just go after it. I wonder if that's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, they say it's, it it's the a renewal. Well, go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. It's a renewable resource. It's being created all anew, the time. Uh, you know, all the time indefinitely. And it's it's way more than enough to meet the needs uh, for all our drinking and bathing purposes. Oh, yeah. yeah. What about the Schauberger idea and, uh, you know, the streams and going against the rocks? And do you think then a uh, stream, a cold stream, if you had to go out and make a list, would that be the top of the line water to drink? Do you, you all think so? Or do you think we can create an even better water like with with gadgets and things that are coming out? No, I, I think mean, primary uh, water is probably the best to drink, right? It's the best. And Schauberger was very clear on that. He said... You, the only the only water really you should drink is water that he calls it mature water mature that has mature. that has made its way from deep into the earth through whatever cracks or fissures or something mm -hmm. it's not part of that hydrological cycle which is all contaminated right and out of itself it emerges from the earth it takes the minerals with it along the way he said it always emerges in this vortex pattern and that's where people have always got it, their water now you can try to recreate that and for some people i guess that may be the best you can do but that's real that's healing water that's the real deal that's the real deal i mean if you could buy and some land what's you know a cold spring coming up right most most communities, if you live in a rural community, you ask the old timers, you know any wet springs around here? They all know the springs. They all wouldn't know where they are. Yeah. They yeah. know exactly. There's there there the, there's this place, you know, near near where we live. Water is just squirting out twenty four seven all the time. And you know, you can actually tell because all the water in the hydrological cycle has radioactive elements in it. And none of the primary water has that because it was never exposed to the atmosphere. Interesting. And so it's not like this is not a surmise or a hypothesis. This is a very scientifically reason, easily testable phenomenon. But unfortunately, uh, testable Just phenomena. Just nobody knows about it. <laughs> So you guys are going to do a lot of Doesn't stuff. You guys are going to do a lot of stuff on water on this uh, this event that's coming up on the 9th and the 10th of October. You go to oneradionetwork.com, click on it, and you can do like a weekend pass, right, and do the whole thing. And then people are going to just come on every now and then. How is that going to work? It's going to be like a full day Saturday and a full day Sunday. Um, and, wow. uh, you know, the schedule is all on the website Okay. and, uh, Tom and I are going to be, well, Tom's going to mostly be emceeing, but after, uh, almost all the speakers, there's going to be time for, uh, some, a couple of questions. So we get to, you know, have some interaction with the speakers. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a little lunch break, but it's really going to be, you know, kind of like an all day thing. And then. Uh, you can, of course, uh, get have access to watch replays also if you uh, get a ticket. And then there's going to be digital downloads available as well. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ways to watch it. But, you know, we're trying to kind of create like this, the beginning of a of a curriculum. So, you know, yeah. it's going to be quite a quite a lot of material. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we have four separate speakers talking about water. But then we have a lot of different other 
uh, topics in there. Like, you know, what you mentioned about the Biggleson brothers, I'm really excited because they're, you know, they're trying to continue their father's legacy and, and take it to the next level. And they're even trying to bring about new microscope technology. <laughs> you know, they're, they're really doing a lot of uh, stuff really related to terrain theory and looking at, you know, living uh, cells and what they've discovered are these, um, uh, sorry, holograms in the blood. In the blood, right? Yeah. That, that their father first discovered and that they find, and it's essentially like a clue, or it's the blood or the water in the blood telling you what is going on with the person's health. And it's really just amazing. Like, if you look at some of these images you'll be blown away it's like you know if they have a broken arm in the blood they'll find a hologram of an arm that's malformed i mean it's it's really uh quite amazing and it mirrors actually the images in veda austin's work where she takes water and you know sometimes puts a photographic image or uh you know reads something to it and then the water when it freezes the ice creates an image that reflects whatever input she gives it. I mean, it's really, it's amazing to see this. Like the example Tom always brings up is that she put a wedding invitation under the dish of water before she froze it. And it created the image of an engagement ring. Come on. Right. As a sim- Come on. symbol. Now you just yeah, made no, that up. You just yeah. made that up. No. <laughs> I know it's, it is like that, that kind of a thing. When you see this work, you think it's made up. But, but uh, I've actually seen these experiments done in real life. Wow. I have a friend who is dabbling with this, and uh, it's real. <laughs> that's that's amazing. You know, we, we talked to Harvey Beagleson years ago, 10 years ago, and I saw some of those pictures of the hologram of the blood and all that, and he would show things if somebody had a back problem. And I mean, that's, but it makes sense if it's all a hologram, right, gentlemen? It just makes sense, doesn't it? If everything's a hologram in a sense. You know, another uh, guy who's going to speak is a new friend of mine named <clears throat> Manel Ballister, who I believe he was actually chosen uh, when Spain wanted to do a heart transplantation program. He's a cardiologist, and they chose him to run the program. So mm-hmm. pretty well-known cardiologist in Spain. And then he runs across a guy, Francesco Torrent Guas, and he completely changes his view of what the heart is doing. And, and so now he's sort of the world expert in how the heart participates in the circulation of the blood. It has nothing to do with the pump. And, you know, when you see that, you know, I remember after my book came out and I tried to prove that there was a vortex created in the heart. That's what Leonardo da Vinci actually yes, showed that with wheat seeds back in whatever, 1400. This guy, this Russian guy, cardiologist, sends me research. This is one of those believe it or not things. (laughs) That in the big vortex in the heart, there's little teeny vortices also created inside, especially the left ventricle. And so, for instance, if you have a cut on your leg, the, the, the vortex in the, in the heart, will dissolve some of the collagen fibers and put it in a little vortex and direct it to the cut on your leg. Whoa. So that it's like a Band-Aid. 
so that the, so that that place on your leg gets some fibers and a signal like you need to fix this part here. So it uses those fibers to to fix that part. And then you know the old it, there's lots of things like now. I haven't seen that reproduced, so maybe that that was just his own uh, <laughs> craziness. But there are people who are looking into these things in a very s- serious scientific way because we don't we, we don't really know what we're talking about. We don't know the enormity of or the complexity yes, and the sophistication and the beauty of this system that we call a human being. We have a completely naive, uh, irrational view of what's happening. And if we got it, and I I think back thousands of years ago, they knew a lot more than we did. Um, You know, like the Egyptians and some other people. Yeah. Yeah. So if we knew that, we could actually help people. Sure. That's the point. And, And many people are talking about now that this whole COVID thing the last couple of years is really... I mean, look at without that, you you fellows wouldn't probably even be here today, right? Talking because the whole show me the virus thing. You saying you wouldn't invite us? Patrick? Well, I would, but you know, I wouldn't even probably know you. You know who you were, but you know what I'm saying? It's it's. I think it was just God's way of saying, okay, kids, wake up. Let's smell the coffee here. Let's see what's going on, because this medical system is not going to change. We know that, and we're just going to have to choose whether or not we want to move forward and look at new stuff think out of the box or stick in the same thing that's not working I mean, feels like that to me yeah, you make a new system the yeah. old one is it's not gone. happening yeah that's not happening yeah. you gotta make a new system okay so we well or we, no system yeah we've got we said I'm a no system guy. <clears throat> yeah i'm a no system guy show me no system. okay so we've got some emails and we're going to probably get to some nitty-gritty stuff can we do that before we go do some emails because this has been great. And then we'll, we'll also give you, you know, make sure that uh, we, we tell people how to do this on our website. So this is curious. Um, Robert F. Kennedy, this is from Josie. Robert F. Kennedy says he's not an anti-vaccine and he would be happy to take one if proven they are safe and effective. Is there such thing as a safe and effective vaccine? Why get them if there is no viruses? Anybody? Uh, the answer is there is no, there <laughs> isn't. And I'm happy to say that I'm anti-vaccine. You don't mind saying that? No. I mean, they, they, they don't work and they're poison. The, and there's abs- no reason for them because none of yeah, those right. germs cause the diseases. So, wow. you know, it, you know, saying that uh in such a way is you know it's not without political purpose right because if you there you know there's a group of people who are victims of this vaccine fraud who have had serious injuries right and this is uh, i think the same group that were um in a town hall meeting that went viral with uh, one of the congressmen uh, from, I think, Wisconsin. I'm blanking on the name right now. Mm -hmm. But I happen to go on their website uh, because they've organized, they're trying to get the message out that these products are dangerous, right? And here's what you see right on the top of their homepage of the website. It says, you know, 
we support vaccines. We're not anti-vaxxers. Now, why are they saying that? After their lives have been ruined because of this industry, right? And then, but they feel they have to say, right? Because w- what's happened is that that, you know, this term has been politicized of anti-vaxxers. Yes, sir. And not only that, it, it's actually on the Homeland Security website under domestic terrorists. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Right? That people who criticize uh, COVID measures. Um, so, the, you know, this, this really indicates quite a serious problem. But Tom and I have no problem stating the full truth, uh, which is, you know, the only purpose for vaccines is to make you sick and uh, bring you down, essentially. Is it true that viruses are not alive and they're solvents and they're actually cleaning things out? Is that a fair statement? Damage? No, they're garbage. They're what, sir? Garbage. You know, the, the pictures of the little particles that they show, that, that's just, you know, debris, cellular debris, garbage. Uh, there is a virus that causes a disease. There just is no such thing. No such thing. So no they're they're thing. they're just they're just doing whatever the body's doing to kind of kind of repair. And they're not doing anything. They're not doing they're anything. Garbage. What do you mean? They're, so they're, explain. What is your garbage? Exp- what is your garbage doing? Not it's sitting there. Right. See, Patrick, why is, you, those, why is those, it out in the garbage can? Well, because I haven't taken it out yet. Right. That's the same. So you you get broken down and you make garbage. And some of the little particles of garbage we call viruses, and then you get rid of them, and then you do it again. That would be the common flu and common cold, correct? So, Patrick, this is... is, Go ahead. This is every single picture of every virus that's ever been published is what we're talking about here. And I I think it's really, we shouldn't even use the word virus because these are not things that come from outside of our body. They're just not. They're, they're They're the, our own trash from our own cells. It's like, imagine this, you, you, your house, right? Um, and this is of course tragic, but you're, you're, there's a bad storm in your neighborhood and a big tree comes down in the middle of your house and crashes through the roof and through the second floor down all the way to the first floor. You can't, you know, the house is gone. There's nothing you can do, it's destroyed. You can't repair it, right? So what do you do? Well, you don't leave that mess there, right? First you pack up your belongings and what do you do? You put them in packages that are smaller than the house, right? You put Mm -hmm. them in boxes, you put them in suitcases. Then you go and get all the trash, right? From the damage to the house or whatever. And what do you do? You put that in bags. Right. So basically, now you have a bunch of little bags that are the trash of a destroyed house. That's exactly what you're seeing in those microscopic images of dead and dying tissue. That's what they're you showing the you. Little trash, That's what they show us, right? Trash bag. Right. Exactly. And it has nothing to do with the concept of a virus or a germ that causes illness. It's simply the end product of death and destruction. And if I'm putting out this little trash and I'm next to you, you can't catch it from me or anything. Nothing nothing goes on there, right? Well, I mean, look, if I, uh, that's my waste products. So if I, yes. like, you know, collect a bunch of my feces and uh, smear it well, yeah. uh, on your open wound, 
Um, that won't be good. Okay, okay. But I can't catch it through your from here. usually go around it's eating other people's garbage. Yeah, we don't, we don't do the garbage. Do, so are colds, I'm always curious. Now, bacteria are living, though, unlike viruses. Are they really living? Is, is that what a cold is? More of a bacteria? Well, bacteria really exist. Uh, but no, colds, they've always told us, was caused by viruses, not right. bacteria. That's why you can't they don't give antibiotics for it right but it it doesn't matter that's not what it is and that's not the role of the bacteria the it, bacteria are the nature's recyclers and cleaner uppers cleaner upper. so when something else damages your tissue which is usually toxins so a cold is just basically getting rid of the toxins that have clogged up your air filter right Right, because all the air comes in through your nose and that filters it and all the crap that's in the air gets stuck in your nose. And when it builds up to a certain level, you gotta purge it. So because it damages the the tissues in there. And so once your body gets the signal to do that, which is a seasonal signal from the drop in humidity, then you know, anytime you can then undergo that process when you need to. So that's why the change in in seasons and all that sometimes cold can, can help these things uh, move along, right? Right. Everything yeah. everything in nature occurs in cycles, right? We see the leaves fall off. You know, that's also a detoxification of the tree hmm. because you have all of the things that came from the air and the soil that went into the tree over that growing season and. You know, I mean, I know that there's more to it than that, but when you shed, when it sheds those leaves, that's also a detoxification. Yes, sir. And, you know, that happens predictively on an annual cycle, and so do many other things in nature happen on, you know, different time cycles. We, we have a sleep and wake cycle. Uh, in fact, they've, even in conventional biology, they've now found, you know, cycles in virtually every organ in your body. So this is just like how nature works in a cyclical fashion. Uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, Patrick Timpone, along with uh, Dr. Uh, Tom Cowan. Kevin writes in, we used to take a blood test to verify HIV. Why are we not using a blood test to confirm uh, COVID rather than PCR? So uh, I, when 1984, I graduated medical school. I had spent the previous four years, I, I remember talking to a homeopath guy, friend, about my age, doctor, and we, we were reminiscing about what, what we learned about immunology in medical school. And the only thing either one of us could remember was we learned that when you have antibodies, that means you're immune to that virus, mm -hmm. right? Everybody right. knows that. Antibodies. You get Measles, you get antibodies, you're immune to the virus. In 1984, I graduated medical school. I look on the television, Robert Gallo is there saying, we discovered the cause of AIDS. Oh, what is it? It's a virus called HIV. How do you know? He said, well, we found antibodies against HIV to, in some of the people with AIDS. And I remember turning to my friend at the time and say, hey, wait a minute, who changed the rules? So in other words, for the first time that I know of, they all of a sudden say antibodies mean you have a deadly virus that's going to kill you. That's crazy. I thought we, were, we learned that if you had antibodies, 
you're immune. Oh, well, it's a deadly, it's a wily virus that knows how to change. In fact, the reality is nobody has ever found an HIV in any fluid of any sick person with AIDS or anything else. It is completely imaginary, and antibodies are not specific for any virus. There's, I think Andy said there was, what, 36 other conditions that are positive with wow. uh, that, over, over that 60. Over 60. Over 60. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so, and like my quote I put in the book from the head of infectious disease at Wake Forest about COVID antibodies, he said, quoting, Antibodies are important. They mean you either had the virus or you didn't have the virus. You were either sick or you weren't sick, and you're either immune or you're not immune. And that about says it all, because it's all just complete nonsense. Here's an email from Celeste. I've heard Dr. Kaufman saying in an interview that a computer sequence of a spike protein is grown in a GMO organism in a lab then the genetic sequence, not the spike protein itself, is in the injections. Is that correct? And could he elaborate on this? Thanks. Well, that, that's exactly correct. So the first part, what I was talking about is when you, if you go on, on the uh, internet, for example, and you want to buy a vial of spike protein, and you can find that it's for sale from uh, multiple different uh, shops, mm-hmm. and all of that spike protein, none of it comes from nature. Like they don't have a, you know, a stock of a imaginary virus where they extract the spike protein from it and purify it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, it's never, ever been made that way. What they do is they have this, uh, you know, fake um, computer in silico sequence that they call the spike protein. And I, I, I believe that this has been engineered at least to some degree. And then they put that sequence artificially into a recombinant ge- uh, genetic organism. Uh, like uh, it could be just a bacterial cell culture or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what type of cell culture they use, but it's it's a recombinant uh, DNA technology um, that is the way they manufacture it in those vials. And the genetic you know injections are a very similar technology, except that instead of having it made in a cell culture in a laboratory, it's made in whoever gets injected. Right. Um, so the the injection is really just a, a delivery vehicle of the code or the gene, the genetic information for the spike protein or the S1 unit of the spike protein. And then your body, if you get that injection, will allegedly, not proven hmm. uh, because it hasn't really been tested, but allegedly become a factory for that spike protein. So there's not actually any spike protein in at least the genetic injections, which would be the Pfizer, the Moderna, um, and the Johnson and Johnson. Um, I can't tell you about every single because there are some vaccines, like one that's in the market in in Russia. I think it's called the Sputnik, and then there's there's one in China. So I, I haven't looked at every single technology, but any of the genetic technologies, that's how it works. Fair enough. Here's from Joy. Uh, most of my friends are on the terrain theory path. However, three of them got sick and cold and flu symptoms, lost their taste and smell. They do not live near each other. I know the doctors have answered this, but I'm still trying to understand how that could be happen. 
<laughs> well, you know, what, the fact that people get sick doesn't tell you what caused the illness. So you'd have to, you know, do further work to figure that out, uh, you know, what's going on. But, you know, something recently um, I found out that that could be a factor in some of these cases, uh, although I'm not sure exactly what would be the proximate cause, is that if there is a pro like now, you know, people have lost their smell when they have colds and flu for as long as colds and flu have been around. But there's also losing your sense of smell because of a neurologic problem, which I've seen with, for example, migraine headaches. It can occur with strokes, um, some types of tumors, etc. Okay, but, you know, there seems to be some people reporting that they lose their smell, uh, you know, but that is also something that's been played up as a symptom of the fake COVID. So is this, you know, a new phenomenon or is this just what people always experienced when they had colds and flus in the past. So someone recently, you know, an acquaintance of mine had, uh, a, you know, a, a, a summer cold, which seemed to maybe be anecdotally more prevalent than usual this summer. And they had, you know, lost their sense of smell. And they said that they took zinc and the smell came back very quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I was, of course, uh, didn't know exactly if that was, legitimate. So I go look up the symptoms of zinc deficiency, and then it says loss of smell right in there. So, you know, one possible thing is, could these people have all had a zinc deficiency? And that was part of what was going on. Uh, And that certainly, you know, could be readily explained if they're friends, maybe they have similar lifestyle or habits. And uh, that involves eating foods that don't have much zinc and they develop a deficiency or maybe they were exposed to a common toxin that acted as a zinc chelator and remove zinc from their body right there could be many different ways to explain this but we can't you know this is really just pure conjecture we wouldn't know what's going on unless we did some kind of further research and that that's a real big trap that people get into and i i swear i get asked this question you know almost on a daily basis but you know people died here people died there a lot of the emails are like that where's how come people are getting sick exactly i got half the emails are like how come that's a good question and if we if we can do this kind of honest uh scientific inquiry and research then we will know Mm-hmm. But I guarantee that most likely it's it's because of one of three things, right? Either they were exposed to toxins or poisons, mm-hmm. they have uh, malnutrition and some kind of nutrient or water, or they have trauma, you know, psychological or physical. Sure, sure. And because those are really the only things that cause disease. That cause disease. So whatever it is, now which particular toxin, which particular malnourishment, which you know, those things, you need more investigation to tell. And and we're but just... there's never yeah. been any evidence that there is, you know, pathological organisms that cause disease. And even though we're all working By the on way, this... I used to think... Go ahead, Tom. Patrick, I used to think just those three things, too. And since COVID, I've added a fourth, What's which that? I... I don't know what the right word is, but I call it being delusional. Being delusional. Yeah. I understand. Bad for your health. Bad. See, that, that's uh, I would call that psychological toxicity. <laughs> <laughs> well, and this is where I think we're going to really be. That's a subcategory. So. Yeah, and you this know, is, pro- propaganda is a toxin. Tom. Oh, it's huge. And, yeah, and right. I, I think this is where we're really going to. Nonsense is is a toxin. 
believing in nonsense is it? It is really. I know. I we. I mean, we're not criticizing people, but it is. I mean, right? When you believe in, makes you do stupid things. When you believe in stupid things, you. Who knows what's going on in the body? I mean, we, yeah. you know, right? listen. It makes people do things that harm themselves. Sure. You know that that's the real tragedy is that people are inflicting. You know, they're agreeing and consenting to inflict inflict harm upon themselves. Yes, sir. Yeah, I know. It's right? tough. I mean, you hear people who lock themselves in their house and only have meal service. They build a special door in their sure. door so they feel like a cat door. They slide the food in there. We've heard the stories. I mean, yeah. It's, you know, it's amazing that people survive that. And, and, and you know, just, just no reason to expect that those kinds of thoughts and feelings and images that are in the body 24-7 are not affecting it in a in a detrimental way. There's, you know, you, you know, you're just not paying attention if you don't think that's happening. All right. You're just not paying attention. All right. So what about this China thing? See, this is what I really been wanting to ask you. I mean, is it even possible if you just go with this whole Rand Paul gain of function? I I think it's all made up, but that's just me. And then all of a sudden you can release something in the air and it's from some lab. And then, I mean, is it even Listen, Patrick, you can talk all day about what you does, could possibly do. Does it? Does it even you know with technology? But where's the evidence that anything know. actually has been done? It's, That's what it's, I want to ask it's you. Non-existent. Is it even possible? You know this. Is it even possible? Well, no, it doesn't matter if it's possible or not. What do you mean it doesn't right? matter? Because, oh, because it's just not there. There's it, no there. I mean, there. It doesn't matter because there's there's no evidence that it's that it's actually been done. Like, don't you think if they were able to make some dangerous bioweapon that it would have actually killed a lot of people? Hmm. Like, don't you think you would see people dying like, yes. personally? Yeah. Right? So, you know, so where's the evidence? You know, you can talk all day about what's theoretically possible, but it doesn't matter. Right? They, they can, they have nuclear weapons, they say, that could destroy the whole earth, right? Yeah. But is the earth destroyed? No. Well, right? I don't think it's they not. have nuclear weapons, but that, don't get me started with that. I right, think it's but, all a scam. But I'm but. just saying it, I'm saying it doesn't even matter because they haven't actually right. done it and used, right. used them on that scale, right? So, so why do we waste time talking about it? We do know that they engineered these genetic vaccines, yeah. and that's what is essentially acting as a bioweapon, whether you call it that or not, right? It is we right now creating un, you know, un levels of death and disability right and you know we're, we're now starting to to see what the real magnitude of this is as we have some more time uh and experience you know i mean and if you just do a little extrapolation and estimation there there could easily be over a million deaths in the united states alone from these injections so, you know, this is the only thing that should be talked about in the context of a biological weapon. Yes, sir. So... And, and just to say, to say that are they making bioweapons? They, they've been making bioweapons for 100 years. They're called vaccines. <laughs> They're called vaccines. Yes, I understand. So it's just, and so they keep making them, and they try to make them this way and that way and more sophisticated, I guess, and... Yes, sir. But if if you think there's a virus, then show us the virus. But then big picture, too, to get these bioweapons to actually do something, do you have to inject them? Or could you 
theoretically get them out there in the air and they kill don't people? squirt vaccines into the air do they no right they have to inject them they got to inject occasionally them. they can squirt it up your nose right like oh, there's right. a flu mm-hmm. that way so this whole china thing is probably just some geopolitical thing to blame it on china because there is no virus maybe so it's the patsy the patsy ah i like every it. story needs a patsy <laughs> and it's not just to blame china it's also to keep people believing in dangerous viruses yes sir yeah yes. to keep them on their toes yeah keep them on the lone killer is about to strike us all yeah the lee harvey oswald of 2000 oh god robin michigan gentlemen thanks for the efforts on this COVID thing can you explain this is a great one. How there can be a Delta variant of a virus that you say doesn't exist is advertised. There is there no can't. Delta variant. There's no Delta variant. It's all made up. They Listen, they've never even tried to isolate the Delta variant. Yeah. Uh, it, it only exists in, a, in the computer and in imagination. And those are the, the exact words of at least the California Health Department. We have, quote, no analysis showing any Delta variant. California Health Department. And they said they they can't find it? There's no there there, Doc? They have no analysis showing any Delta variant. Wow. You know, the other thing it's important for people to know, and I mean, first of all, that none of these tests are actually valid tests. None have been validated. None have been approved. But they, they don't even pretend to have a test that can... Uh, test for a Delta variant. So, you know, when they say that all these cases are Delta, they're just making it up because they don't they don't even have a test by their own faulty definition to give that information. So it's completely fabricated. Here's a couple more and then we'll let you go. Carol, haven't been jabbed yet. So not yet. So what actually moves from one person to another? Spike proteins, MENA, graphene oxide or something else now tens of thousands of pregnant menstruating women are reporting miscarriages and other problems i don't know why is it a a yet if you know. know all of these problems why why would you uh, consider getting it you know we don't we don't really we, we nobody knows uh what the shedding situation is what if there's a particular thing, if we're talking about, you know, an energetic thing, uh, just we're talking know. about, you know, empathy. But the one thing that I, I feel fairly confident about is that from uh, a survey data that I've uh, been on the team that's analyzing of 3,000 uh, survey respondents who had some kind of symptoms mm-hmm. and had some kind of vicarious or secondary exposure to a, an injected person, that it was only intimate partners who had uh, any real data signal there of having some kind of actual physical issue, right? Now, of course, many people anecdotally might have been around other people who were jabbed and may have felt something, but that that could be a lot of things. Mm-hmm. It could be um, you know, feeling the, the person suffering from the effects of being injected. It could be your own worry and uh, like countertransference about that someone you care about has decided to, you know, go down that path. Yes. Right. It could be a lot of different things, 
But in terms of the possibility of, you know, having like a miscarriage or a fertility problem or something more serious like that, I think it's really reserved to, you know, intimate partners and, uh, you know, infants of nursing mothers. So you generally you're thinking more in terms of some kind of fluid transfer. That's that's what seems to be Mm. uh, the mechanism. But, you know, we can't say that without further study. But that would make the most sense because, you know, let's say just for argument's sake, and we don't know this, but let's say that there is, you know, the person who got this injection make some spike protein and it's in their saliva so when they talk and the saliva aerosol comes out of their mouth right you you know you can see this in the right lighting conditions maybe there's little spike proteins right coming out of your mouth when you talk but once those are out in the environment they get denatured right according to the instructions when you buy it on the vial you're supposed to keep it frozen until you're ready to use it because it won't last. It'll get denatured. So that's why possibly it doesn't, you know, if you have a roommate or a coworker or whatever, by the time it gets to them in enough concentration, it's inactivated. Whereas if you are directly exchanging body fluids with another person, then it it stays in a biological milieu the whole time and it's could stay in its intact structure potentially, Mm -hmm. if it's actually there, right? So we don't know this, but it's sort of, on some level, it seems feasible. But what we really need is studies with a large number of people who have been injected at different time points after receiving it, and we need tests on their saliva, their blood, their urine, their feces, their sweat, you know, all these body fluids, and see, is there anything there? And, you know, is it there in a meaningful concentration? Hmm. Um, And then, you know, what happens if we leave it around for a few minutes? So, and by the way, it would be really easy to do this study. And it's normally, it's, this is required preclinical study for any gene therapy, according to the FDA. That's why when they redefine this as a vaccine, they got a, basically a ticket to just, uh, you know, get around that requirement and that's why we don't know the answer to this question but it doesn't you know like i haven't heard about anyone dying right from vicarious exposure so i don't think you know whatever the risk is i don't think it's to the level of that seriousness can people share things like uh herpes and gonorrhea and all the other std stuff do they actually share those do we know? Not from a virus. Not from a virus. What would it If you think they do, then you have to show me a study where they just took the virus, exposed that to a person, and they got herpes. And I can guarantee you that doesn't exist. Really? Wow. Now, I think everybody out there who thinks the only thing that you share in sexual experience is a virus, please raise your hand. Because... <laughs> I'm not one of those people. <laughs> now, how do you know it's not one of the other things that you're sharing? Right. If, if in fact, it's e- even contagious. Uh, but if it is contagious, how do you know it's not something else, you know, physical or non-physical? Because, again, I'd love to see everybody raise their hand who thinks 
there's nothing non-physical shared between people who have sex. I understand. Totally understand. Stefan Leica. You know, Patrick, like, uh, oh, go ahead. No, uh, go just, ahead. just to give another example of yeah. that, because, you know, okay, we're, we're in the beginning of the fall now, right? It's leaf raking season. All right. So let's say that, you know, I'm coming home from my nine to five job uh, one Thursday afternoon, and I happen to see my neighbor raking the leaves. Well, then I, you know, get on uh, out of my work clothes, you know, have a, uh, say hi to my family. And then I get out there and start raking leaves. Now, was there any physical exchange that occurred between my neighbor and me that led me to have the contagion of now raking leaves? No. Right? Nothing. I simply saw that, said, that's a good idea. Right? So I'm going to do the same thing. It's, it's that time to do that. And maybe your body has the same wisdom. Right, because what what is a herpes outbreak? Well, it it's your body basically getting rid of something toxic through your skin, right? Whatever mm -hmm. comes out in the fluid of those you know blisters, it's not your body doesn't want it anymore, <laughs> right? So maybe the connection is that you know your body gives me uh, an information signal that I could also get rid of toxins that way, yeah, right? And it's actually a, a positive thing because it's 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 purifying the water in our bodies hmm. and maybe it's specifically in the genital area because maybe it's actually detoxifying our reproductive organs because we're a new couple and maybe we're preparing to make a baby and it would be much better for a baby to be in a non-toxic environment right so you can totally reframe how you understand these things yeah. from you know a terrible nuisance like god i don't want to sleep with that dirty whore she gave me herpes virus right to gosh we're helping each other prepare our bodies to do the most sacred act of humanity well god knows what she's doing you know what i'm saying god knows what she's doing <laughs> i'm seeing you have stefan lanka on your on your get together on october 9th that you all can click on our website and join and he he's been out there for a long time on the whole show me the virus thing can you just uh is this where you both learned about the virus thing or did you were you on it before Stefan Lanka was on the scene he's been a big help <laughs> Stefan's a he's an interesting guy he really he knows is. a lot about this. yeah he knows a lot about this what's he on to now what do you think he's going to be talking about on your on your on your uh, get-together on the, the 9th of the 10th of October we, we do a, a like a monthly freedom talk, the three of us, yeah. Stefan and Andy and I, and we just uh, shot one today. So that's what he's doing. I mean, he's doing other things, but um, people should tune into that. How do you, how do folks watch it? I've never seen that one. How do you do that? You know? Well, I think uh, I, I mirror them on my channel, but what uh, Dean Browse is the one who is the uh, moderator and, and uh, oh. interviewer. And he's uh, really kind of like a, a confidant of, uh, I mean, he's a researcher in his own right, but he's uh, kind of a, a confidant and a collaborator with Stefan. I see. Uh, they live near each other. And uh, well, I can get you a link, but it's called Freedom Talk. Freedom and Talk. I think this is our, I don't know, fifth or sixth one. Fourth. But, fourth. you know, fourth. Oh, okay. But Stefan is, you know, one of the things that he has really been inspired about is uh, German new medicine, yes, which is 
right kind of like a new way of thinking about medicine where uh, it it hypothesizes that most of the uh, illness is actually psychological or psychogenic yes sir um, and I believe he you know he is going to talk about about that and he really talks about it in a spiritual way so it's really kind of fascinating because he's such a technical scientific uh you know type of person like when we are talking about genetics uh or virology with him you know it's it's extremely technical it's like you know you have to have a a dictionary handy but when he starts talking about german new medicine he really takes on a different dimension and and it's like that's the kind of uh you know energy that is really like um gonna be at this this conference thinking about you know the new possibilities yes, so i think he's going to focus on, be great. on that topic yeah, yeah. Uh, heimer was great you know and his whole thing with the testicles and his son and fascinating story right and he i mean he looked at the brain and i i don't think there's any doubt in my opinion for what it's worth that that these traumas start something in the soul mind body connection thing and who knows what goes from there Okay, guys, we're going to go. Thanks. I right. kept you kept you over time. But for, before we go, or both of you, let me ask you. Now, you've all been around the block a few times, right? You haven't just fallen off the turnip truck. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised at what's going on in our culture with this whole medical model vaccine COVID thing? I mean, it's, it's like, is this like a surprise to you? Or do you just think, well, I saw this coming? Or what do you think? No? No surprise. No surprise. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, it, it's obvious that this kind of, uh, you know, bio uh, surveillance or the expansion of vaccines was coming. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I am surprised that this was the the kind of the central, you know, false flag or psychological operation to bring about the new world order. I thought it was going to be climate yeah. change, um, you know, but uh, people weren't buying that. They're not scared enough if they are scared of germs. Yeah. So that's the way it worked out. And, you know. Um, I I kind of feel that maybe, you know, this is uh, part of my purpose uh, all my life was to be here at this moment to figure out this riddle. But how about you, Dr. Cowan? You just keep saying you just want to be a farmer. So, but I mean, so what's up with you? And you, you pulled into this, baby. Well, I, 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 you know, I know what Andy means. You know, I've yeah. been in some ways uh, prepping for this sometimes reluctantly my whole life. Um, (laughs) Starting from doubting Thomas and how come he never believes anything anybody ever tells (laughs) us. (laughs) I don't believe you guys. You knew that in medical school. Uh, You know, and you just keep, you know, and you make so many mistakes along the way. And as I keep saying, every mistake I made was because I believed the dominant narrative too much. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Everyone. And, now I think I'm onto it in myself. You know, how do I know that? And you know, so yeah, yeah. And it's been amazing. I just want to say to collaborate with Andy, who has uh, really helped me understand so many things—not just details, but process. And I just want to be—I express my gratitude because. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I mean, this is what I'm supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. I mean, what do I know? What do you know? I, I, <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you, sir. So it's going to be on the 9th and 10th. You're the big deal. You go into our website, sign up. Kaufman, Cowan, David Icke, Kelly Brogan, 
Eileen McCusick. She does the uh, uh, the tuning thing. And Sally Fallon, who you co-authored a book with, Contagion, Stefan Lanka, Dolphs. How do you say his name? Zoffs, Dolph, what? Zantica. Zantica. John Stuart Reed. Oh, he's a, he's a um, sound guy. Cymatics. Sound? sound huh? Yeah, cymatics. Oh. Amazing, amazing stuff. You just can't believe it when oh, you see it. You know, I interviewed a fellow in Mexico about cymatics. You know, really trip. Yeah, yeah good stuff. Uh, Vita, Austin. Vita Austin. She's a, she's a water gal, right? The Beagleson yeah. boys. Uh, and following up with their dad's work, Harvey Beagleson. James DeMio, didn't even mention him, Ph.D. What is his story? Orgone. Oh, my gosh. Orgone. Oh, He's Argonne. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has, you know, repeated many of Wilhelm Reich's experiments huh. uh, and with meticulous controls in place yeah. and right. really shown uh, the validity of the Orgone energy as, you know, a real... Uh, phenomenon, a quite an important phenomenon because it relates to the ether and or perhaps is what the ether is, uh, depending on, uh, you know, how you look well, at you it. Talk to, uh, right? But he's also going to talk about the relationship of orgone energy and water. Oh. So it's like we're, we're uh, looking at this from many different angles. Years ago. And then Manuel Ballister Rhodes, so I didn't mention him. What? Who is he? Yeah, he's oh. the, the hard guy. Oh, he's a heart fellow. He's out of uh, Spain. Is it Spain? Spain, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just a quick story. Ten years ago, we used to get this Oregon thing you would buy, and we would throw them at the bottom of cell phone towers because people said that it would it would it would dilute the energy. I don't know, but we did it. So. Well, well, Patrick. So you know, James is an expert on uh, orgone energy accumulators, which is like the official name of the device, right? And a lot of uh, people have popularized these pyramids that have metal shavings and other materials in them, right? Well, he says that those are actually not really orgone energy accumulators. So on the second weekend, he's doing a workshop that he, he will teach you, and he has a book that you can learn more techniques. But he's going to teach how to make an orgone blanket. Whoa, that'd be cool. Yeah, so right? you do this workshop and you can actually make your own or real functional orgone device at home. And the blanket, you know, is obviously something that can protect you from EMF uh, while you're sleeping. We didn't even mention EMS, but uh, Dr. Cowan, you've been on it. You were on it early and we just have no idea what these things are, how they're affecting us, do we yet? I mean, there's just not been a lot of studies. Part of that energy and t- the waves that we're exposed to. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, that's it. Okay, so the two websites are drkaufmanmd.com for you two, and then drtomcowan.com. On the front page, the future health is in our manifest through nature's gift of true healing. And this, the, the workshops sound great. That's going to be the following week, the week of October 16th, where people can just sign up for whatever workshop that's kind of floating their boat, right? They can do that. Absolutely, Jim, uh, or more than one. Or more than like I'm signing up for a few, uh, Patrick, because <laughs> good for you. yeah, I'm really I'm excited about about. I mean, these like we pick these speakers because these are who we're interested in, and we because we we you know we want to we're interested in things that we think are going to make big contributions to biology, and you know, but also it's just like fascinating, you know, like I mean when I. Uh, when when Tom introduced me, like to Dolph Zantinga's work, for example, I was like, I could not wait to get him on on my sh- own interview because I had so many questions, you know. And I was sitting there just like 
totally enthralled. Do we, and, you know, that's what we uh, think the experience is going to be like yeah. for people who well, uh, who come on and watch. This. It sounds great. And if David Icke gets into the whole soul, mind, body, hologram thing, I, I he's, he's on it. Boy, I mean, he's he's crackers on it. He's been on it for years, though, right? I mean, he has really been on it for years. So that'll be great fun. Well, I just want to tell you, thank you so much, both of you, for coming on. I know that you've done a lot of these. I mean, you just go on bit shoot and you both are rock stars. No matter where you go, you're just there. I don't know. People just talk to you. So you're getting tired of doing these at all? No, never. Never. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Tom says, I'm out of here. So you're both my heroes. Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. You take right, care of yourself great. and we'll see you on the on the the ninth, right? Take care of yourself. Great. By the way, Tom, Thomas Cowan, I love your powders. I have dandelion, I have burdock, I have uh, okay. turmeric, all of them, man. I've got my whole counter is full of them. Dr. Cowan's powders. Okay. See you soon. All right. Take care, brother. Love all you right. both. Thank you. All right. Take Bye, care. Patrick. Bye bye. Dr. Thomas Cowan, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, really great fellows. And wow, wasn't it great fun? Well, a lot of cool stuff they're going on with, um, with water. And uh, you can pass on these links to everyone that you care about. And this would be a great thing for you to go onto our website. Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com is the email address, but the website is OneRadioNetwork.com. Click on the front page. The future of health is ours to manifest through nature's gift of healing. A lot of cool stuff. And some of these uh, workshops should be really great fun and worth a few bucks that it'll cost you to get involved with the workshop. And... Um, you know, learn about Oregon and water and uh, who knows what kind of stuff. We didn't do any interview, you know, we didn't do any commercials today because I just didn't feel like it. But I will see you on Friday. Thanks for being here. Hope you had a good time. I, this was, whew, man, holy, come on, holy camoly. Long time, an hour and a half. Um, but I had fun. Hope you did. Thank you. I will see you Friday, 10 o'clock. We'll do everything from soul, mind, body, to flat earth, to whatever we talk about and see how much trouble we can get into and, you know, just see if we can, uh, whatever. I love you all very much. Thank you. Take care. Uh, may the blessings be and see you Friday morning at 10 o'clock right here. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com.